Throw me the ball and watch what I do with it. You are now tuned into the Cherry Picking Podcast with your host, Andre Cherry. Last week on the Cherry Picking Podcast, NC State and BC, this is a big game. This is a big game. Whoever wins this matchup this weekend will be in, in great position within the Atlantic this season. I want NC State to win, obviously, of course. That's the team that I love the most. But BC, they're they're looking pretty good on on offense and defense. I mean, they, they play pretty well. I know their their uh, star quarterback is out, Phil Jerkovic. But I need NC State to strap it up one more time and get this victory over BC. NC State, if you can get this victory over BC, you will control the Atlantic. Please take care of business because I need this in my life. I need NC State to win the Atlantic this year and to make it to the ACC championship game. I'm not trying to get too far ahead of myself, but this is a a great opportunity. If they can beat BC, they will be firmly in the driver's seat. So I'm taking NC State over BC. Hey, everybody. Welcome into the Cherry Picking Podcast. I'm your host, Andre Cherry, and I couldn't be more elated than I am right now after the fact that NC State handled its business against Boston College last night. They blew the brakes off of BC by a score of 33-7, to and honestly, I was a little bit surprised that NC State blew Boston College out. Boston College was also 4-1 coming into this matchup last night, and I, I honestly thought it would be a lot closer matchup than it was. I mean, at halftime, if you look at it, the score, it was 10-7 before NC State posted 23 points in the second half, including three touchdowns in the third quarter. NC State just exploded. Their offense looked really great. The defense played at a high level as well. So NC State handled some serious business. I got the win in my top five locks for this week in the ACC. I got that victory. Some highlights of this NC State versus BC game were the fact that Devin Carter had an impressive touchdown reception on a ball that bounced off the back of the BC defender before he was able to secure the ball. He had some great concentration on that pass, and then he waltzed into the end zone. It was crazy. I'm sure it's a Sports Center top 10. I haven't actually seen Sports Center today, so I don't know where it landed on that top 10 list, but it's got to be a top five play in my book. That was some great concentration, some great skills to catch the ball behind the defender's back, and then he just waltzed into the end zone. It was awesome. Another highlight of the game was the special team units for the Wolfpack. They blocked a punt, which was then returned 34 yards by Devon Boykin for the NC State touchdown. That was an amazing play to block that punt. And then to get the six points after that was that was awesome because it pushed nc state's lead out even further offensively as i mentioned the nc state offense had an explosion after the second half started nc state quarterback devin leary threw for 251 yards on 16 for 24 passing with four touchdowns his favorite target of the his favorite target of the day was wide receiver thayer thomas who hauled in four balls for a total of 122 yards and one touchdown. After the game, head coach Dave Doran said, and I quote, I mean, look, I can't control the lack of respect that we seem to get publicly. We know about it. 
Our team recognizes that people don't think we're good and we're going to end up where we're supposed to be at the end of the year and people will think what they think, end quote. I mean, there's some disrespect going on in the national media about NC State. I was watching game day uh, on Saturday and I think Bear had mentioned, you know, they're a fringe top 20 team, meaning they're in the top 20, but they don't really, it's almost like they don't really deserve it or they're not truly a top 20 team. And so I hope this win goes to show everybody that NC State is for real because Boston College was a good team. I know they had some, they've had some injury issues there on that team, but that defense plays at a high level. They, they were capable of winning that game. I know Boston College gets the loss, pretty ugly loss to NC State, but I hope that is a message to everybody that NC State is for real this season, and I'm going to keep riding this wave. I mean, the Wolfpack have a tremendous opportunity in front of them. Wake Forest looks damn good, but NC State's got to turn it on this season because I would I would love nothing more than to go to the ACC championship game to see my beloved NC State Wolfpack beat whoever the hell comes out of the Coastal this year because it's a goddamn mess over there. This upcoming weekend, NC State plays a, a really important game in Miami. I know Miami just came off of a heartbreaker to UNC. They lost that game by a score of 45-42. to 42. Manny Diaz and his Hurricanes team will be looking for a victory in the ACC this weekend. I'm hoping that NC State doesn't slip up. I'm hoping that it's not a trap game for my beloved Wolfpack because that is an important game in Miami. I'm hoping NC State can do what it's got to do and take care of business, get that W this upcoming weekend for Week 8 action. But in the ACC, I got the lock victory, NC State over Boston College. In the Big Ten, I suffered a loss by Minnesota beating Nebraska. I thought the Cornhuskers would have enough to beat Minnesota. They lost this game by a score of 30-23. to Minnesota's offense was on the field for much of this game. In fact, the Golden Gophers dominated time of possession, 38 minutes to Nebraska's nearly 22 minutes. So it wasn't even 22 minutes that the Cornhuskers were on the field offensively. Minnesota running back Bryce Williams rushed for 127 yards on 17 carries, which included an impressive 56-yard touchdown run late in the fourth quarter, which virtually sealed the victory for Minnesota. I really did think the Cornhuskers would be able to get this victory over Minnesota this weekend, especially after their close, close loss to Michigan the week prior. But it just wasn't meant to be for Scott Frost and his boys. It's a shame. Um, Nebraska is in a tough spot right now. Their last four games of the season are actually pretty brutal. You've got Purdue, who just upended Iowa, so I'm not even sure that can be a victory. Then you've got Ohio State. Then the Cornhuskers are at Wisconsin, and then they face Iowa at the end of the season. So Nebraska could very well go 0-4 during that stretch of games. I was thinking that they might have a shot to beat Purdue this upcoming weekend, but after the way the Purdue Boilermakers played against Iowa this past weekend, I'm not so certain that Nebraska can get a victory there either. So I don't know what's going to happen to Scott Frost. I don't know what's going to happen to that program. Nebraska has been in some games this year and they've had a few losses that should have uh, not been losses and I'm looking specifically at that Illinois versus Nebraska game to open the season that's a, a bad loss that they probably wish they could have back but Nebraska has been competing they've been in games and it's just unfortunate that they are 
in the position that they are in today. And I'm, I'm not sure the last four games will be any better for them either. So out of the Big Ten, I got a loss there. Minnesota beat Nebraska. Then in the Big 12, I got a victory. Texas Tech handled its business over Kansas by a score of 41-14. to Texas Tech had three rushing touchdowns in this game against Kansas in a game where they outgained the Jayhawks 438 total yards to Kansas's 273. As a team, the Red Raiders rushed for 244 yards, and Kansas really didn't stand much of a chance in this matchup versus Texas Tech as the Red Raiders jumped out to a 38-0 lead before the start of the fourth quarter. So it's a tough loss for Kansas, and Texas Tech gets the easy victory over the Jayhawks, and I get the victory out of my top five locks from the Big 12 this week. In the Pac-12, we had Oregon over California. They got the Friday night victory over Cal by a score of 24-17. to I'm surprised this game was as close as it was, considering Cal only has one win on the season, and Oregon is supposed to be a, a much better team than that. I think they're ranked number nine in the AP poll right now. Um, this game, it was tied 10-10 after three quarters of play. At one point in the fourth quarter, Cal led this game 17-10 before the Ducks were able to take over. Penalties on the Oregon defense helped propel a last-minute drive to a potential game-tying score by California, but Oregon's pass rush forced Cal quarterback Chase Garbers to throw incomplete on five of his last six attempts in this game, including on a fourth and goal from the Oregon's three-yard line with only five seconds left in the game. So the defense stood up and was able to take care of some business because that could have been a pretty bad ending for Oregon. That could have been a huge upset victory for California. In this matchup, Ducks running back Travis Dye, he stepped up in the absence of injured C.J. Verdell, who suffered a season-ending injury at Stanford a couple weeks ago. And he led the Ducks with 19 rushes for 145 yards and one touchdown, but he also had seven receptions for 73 yards. So this guy is just an all-purpose back, and he really helped the offense out for Oregon in a tremendous way on Friday night. Next week, the Oregon Ducks have a really tough matchup against UCLA. I'll be paying attention to that game because UCLA is, is pretty good right now. Oregon is pretty good. And so I'm curious to see who will emerge victorious out of that matchup. That'll be a fun game. So I got the victory out of the Pac-12. Then in the SEC, we had a huge matchup. College game day was there. We had Georgia over Kentucky. The Bulldogs get the victory 30-13 to over Kentucky. Coming into this matchup in Week 7 action, Georgia actually led the nation in score defense, giving up just 5.5 points per game, which is insane. That's an insane stat. And coming into this matchup, the Bulldogs averaged 39.8 points per game. And so from an offensive standpoint, they can put up some points. Defensively, they are the best defense in the country as they now limit opponents after this matchup against Kentucky to only 6.5 points per game. So that's still very impressive. It's very low. And the defense came up big, even though they gave up two touchdowns in this game for the first time all season. We are now in week seven, and they've only now just given up two touchdowns in this game. The Georgia defense looks amazing. I mean, that they look like a true number one team. And I'm, I really am curious if they can keep this going the rest of the way. 
The Dogs limited Kentucky to only 249 total yards, and they also blocked a pair of kicks. As I mentioned, they're only giving up 40. They're only giving up 6.5 points per game. The, the Georgia defense has only allowed opponents to score just 46 points in 2021. This team is really clicking. They're still without JT Daniels, so I'm not sure when he actually comes back. But I would imagine, you know, there may be a little rust when JT Daniels does come back this season. But I would imagine if, if he can play at a high level as he was, this team will be truly unstoppable. Coming into this matchup, the Bulldogs also led the country in total defense, giving up just 201.2 yards per game. And that was before this weekend. But Georgia just continues to click. They continue to dominate. And they're going to be a fun team to watch the rest of the way now. So I'm, I'm really excited for that. So there we have it, my friends. This past week, I went 4-1 and one when making these straight-up lock predictions in Week 7 action. Overall, I am 26-9 and nine when making these predictions through 7 weeks. After a short break, I will preview my Week 8 locks. It's crazy that we are now in Week 8. And then I'll also talk a little bit about the other playoff contenders and what, what they're doing right now, what makes them special. I'll just preview a little bit about those teams that are projected to go to the playoffs right now if it ended today. I wasn't going to talk about Iowa. I thought they were going to get the easy victory over Purdue, but I'll still tell you a little bit about the Iowa Hawkeyes program, what makes them special, even though they have almost uh, eliminated themselves right now at this point from the playoff. But at any rate, stay right there. I'll be right back. There's still some more show left to go. We'll get right into it after this break. Be right back. Welcome into the Everything Else Podcast, presented by Cherry Pickin' Entertainment. You already listened to the Cherry Pickin' Podcast to hear the freshest college football insights around. Now, Cherry Pickin' Entertainment brings you a new podcast dedicated to talking about anything and everything pop culture related. This is the Everything Else Podcast. That's right. If you love listening to the Cherry Pickin' Podcast, then you're in for a treat with my brand new show called the Everything Else Podcast. This is the new home for everything pop culture related. If you love Marvel Comics, cool, let's do this. If you love movies, I got you there. Music? I got you there too, fam. TV programming? Let's go. Do you want a little news and sports action? Sure, why not? Because like I said before, this is the new home for everything else. I'm looking forward to kicking this podcast off with you. We're going to have fun and we'll also feature some exciting guests who want to discuss what's hot in pop culture. And there will be many more surprises along the way. I bring you the Everything Else podcast under the new home for all my content, Cherry Pickin' Entertainment. Hope you like and subscribe to my new show, and I can't wait to talk to you soon. Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. Right now I'm going to get into the playoff contenders, and this is just going to be a a look at the top four teams in the AP poll. I'm recording this right before the AP poll is released. 
and I'm up early Sunday morning. It's like 6.30 a.m. My family and I, we've got some plans today, so I wanted to record this podcast before we started our day. And so you'll get this podcast hopefully later Sunday evening. But at any rate, I'm going to tell you a little bit about the playoff contenders. I just gave you the stats for Georgia as they were my top five lock for last week. I will talk about number two, Iowa, since at this point when I'm recording, they were number two. They're going to tumble in the AP poll this week. But they had a a very embarrassing loss to Purdue at home this past Saturday. They lost by a score of 24-7. to Iowa was ranked number two in the AP poll, which was their highest ranking since November 26, 1985. Y'all, I wasn't even born yet. (laughs) That was the last time they reached that ranking. And I'm sure that was, I'm sure it's great for the Big Ten. It's great for Iowa that the fact that they are, that they have been relevant again. I mean, at a pretty high level. They've always kind of been sputtering around, I feel like. They've been consistently, you know, a eight, nine win team for the last few seasons, but now they're actually looking like they could do something legit in the. Big Ten, like number two, that's a that's no that's nothing to sneeze at that they reach number two, and I think they were deserving of that ranking up to that point. Purdue exposed a lot of things in their offense, a lot of things that aren't working, and so that is going to have to be corrected if they expect to win out this season and hopefully beat the Big Ten East opponent in the Big Ten title game. If you want to have a shot of making a legit bowl game or even making it into the playoffs, they're not entirely eliminated at this point, but they didn't do themselves any favors by losing to an unranked Purdue team at home. Iowa's 24 to seven loss to the Purdue Boilermakers on Saturday ended the Hawkeyes 12 game winning streak and Purdue beat its highest ranked opponent on the road since a victory at number two Notre Dame in 1974 It's the second time in four seasons Purdue has knocked off a number two ranked team and Purdue won at home against second ranked Ohio State in 2018. So they have a little bit of history doing this, but it was last time I did it was in 2018. So it's been quite a while. And with the loss, number two, Iowa becomes the first AP top two team to lose to an unranked team at home since 2014 so they are on the wrong side of history with with that loss this past weekend that that sucks i'm sure iowa is reeling after that loss because it was pretty ugly iowa's offense was virtually non-existent in that matchup against purdue the hawkeyes only score was a three-yard touchdown run by ivory kelly martin in the second quarter for the game, Iowa only had 271 yards of offense. I mean, the offense didn't look good. Purdue picked off Iowa four times in this game, which is the most interceptions thrown in a game by Iowa in 12 years. So, yikes. It's, it's It was pretty ugly all around. The 17-point margin was Iowa's largest in a home loss since Wisconsin won 28-9 on their home field back in 2013. As I mentioned before, Iowa is definitely going to tumble this week. They probably will be outside the top 10. I would imagine maybe number 12. Um, You know, they may, they'll probably be lucky if it's, if they're, they're higher than that. But I think they are going to tumble a bit. And this opens the door for Alabama to, to emerge in the top four now. And so Alabama 
presumably, I'm, I'm assuming they will be number four. They will have an opportunity to go to the playoffs if all things ended today. They would be a playoff team. And I still think they will be a playoff team at some point. I mean, I think it'll be Bama, Georgia, you know, whatever happens in that game. Unless Georgia beats Alabama, then Bama will probably be out because there haven't been a there hasn't been a two loss team in the playoffs. So if Georgia can continue rolling the way that they are, some other team that is not named Alabama will make it into the playoffs. So that's going to be an exciting finish to the season. I can't wait. Uh, fingers crossed that it all works out that the way that I envision it will. Because I would love to see Georgia versus Alabama. At any rate, Iowa will tumble out of the top five this week. And that's a shame because I thought this would be an easy victory for the Hawkeyes. But that offense is broken. That defense has been playing at an unreal level, unbelievable level. That offense was exposed big time against Purdue. Yeesh. Then we look at number three, Cincinnati, which I'm assuming they will now be number two in the AP poll this week once it's released. Cincinnati moved up to number three in the AP poll, which was its highest ranking ever. They were previously number four in 2009. This is the highest ranking in AAC history. And they got this ranking after breaking the doors down against Temple a couple weeks ago. That was ugly. 52-3. to Golly. This game was just as bad. I mean, honestly, UCF, they scored 21 points, but Cincinnati posted 56 points in this matchup against UCF. So Cincinnati's offense is rolling. Uh, they look they look great. Cincinnati is 15-1 since the start of 2020 with the Bearcats' only loss over the last 22 months coming by three points, 24-21 to, to now current number one Georgia in the 2020 Peach Bowl. So that's pretty crazy that they've gone that long and only had one loss in a bowl game cincinnati defeated number nine notre dame as you all are all aware 24 to 13 in south bend that's the best win they've ever had in its program history this was two weeks after taking out indiana 38 to 24 in bloomington cincinnati's win at number nine notre dame was the program's first ever win over a top 10 team on the road so that's outstanding and coming into week seven, the Bearcats ranked in the top 10 nationally in scoring offense at 41 points. And that was best for ninth overall. And scoring defense at 12.2, which was second in the nation. Cincinnati is plus eight in turnover margin and ranked fifth nationally with nine interceptions. So Cincinnati is a balanced team. I mean, they can do it on offense. They can embarrass you, embarrass you there. But on defense, they are holding opponents... Um, limiting opponents to very few points per game. They should steamroll through the American and they should win. They should win the American and they should also make it to the playoffs. And I, so I know my buddy Mike Snide is probably smiling from ear to ear. It's a good story. I mean, honestly, we've been waiting for a team out of the American or a team outside the power five to make it into the top five like this and, and to potentially make it to the playoffs that would be an amazing story and Cincinnati can ball so I mean they're not going to get in and embarrass themselves I I don't believe that at least not this year because I feel like there's so much parity right now Georgia has looked great but outside of that I mean we just saw number two Iowa tumble 
And, you know, I, I'm not going to say that this is a runaway for any team. Georgia looks damn good. I'll give you that. But Cincinnati could make it to the playoffs, and they could beat a team in the playoffs. Legit. So Cincinnati looks pretty good. I'm rooting for them and, and hoping that they can finish out and finish at number two, I'm assuming. I'm recording this before the AP poll comes out, but that would be quite the story to have an American team be number two in the AP poll. It's crazy that they're number three, but they are deserving of it. So Cincinnati looks good. Then we've got at number four for the AP poll through week seven, Oklahoma. Uh, they are undefeated. They beat TCU 52-31. to with that victory, Oklahoma earned its ninth straight win over TCU and 15th consecutive victory overall. This Sooners offense is clicking as head coach Lincoln Riley made the decision to start true freshman Caleb Williams in this game. The quarterback threw for 295 yards on 18 for 23 passing with four touchdowns. And Sooners running back Kennedy Brooks rushed for 153 yards on 20 carries with one touchdown. So this offense looks looks like it's clicking and I'm curious to see if Caleb Williams will remain the starter for the rest of the season. Uh, he looks pretty good, and it's crazy that he's a true freshman, but he is playing like a vet. Oklahoma's 15-game winning streak is the seventh longest in program history, and the 15-game win streak is also the longest active one in the country. The only other one was at Iowa, who had 12 wins coming into their matchup against Purdue. So that was those were the only two uh, win streaks actively over 10 games and Iowa lost in embarrassingly ugly fashion on Saturday against Purdue. So that's unfortunate, but Oklahoma seems to be clicking. I wasn't big on this team this season. If you've been listening to the podcast this season, I just didn't think that Oklahoma was that good. And maybe some of that is due to the quarterback play initially. Um, You know, Spencer Rattler didn't really impress me that much. And so he opened the door or left the door open for teams to come in and upset Oklahoma potentially. But this move that Lincoln Riley had to replace him with Caleb Williams really seems to be the spark that this team needed because they're finding ways to win. And that's a mark of a really good team. If you can find ways to win, they're undefeated this season and they're looking like they will most likely win the big 12 this year. I mean, they look pretty, pretty strong right now. We'll see if they can continue at this level of production. I, I, I do think it's a little silly that they're going to go to the SEC at some point in the future because if I'm Oklahoma, you are winning in the Big 12. You are dominant in the Big 12. You are making it to the playoffs in the Big 12. You are a top five team in the Big 12. Like, why would you go to the SEC to potentially lose out on all that? I mean, I, I just I don't think it'll be an easy transition for Oklahoma or Texas. But Oklahoma is handling its business right now in the Big 12. They're looking like they will make it to the playoffs if all things ended today. So, you know, there's still some season to go, of course. But Oklahoma got a pretty solid win over TCU. And um, I'm excited to see what they can do the rest of the way here. So that's just a little snapshot of the top three teams in the AP Top 4 Uh, I talked about Georgia before the break there. Georgia looks really good, and so it'll really be interesting finish the rest of the way. Real quick, if we look at my Week 8 locks for this week, in the ACC, I'm going to take Virginia Tech over Syracuse in a matchup between two former Big East rivals. I think Virginia Tech gets the victory at home. My heart goes out to Dino Babers and his Syracuse Orangemen. 
as they've been in the last three games this season. Their last three games, they've lost by an average of three points. That's that's heartbreaking. I feel for this team because they have been trying. I like Dino Babers. I just I don't know if this is his year. They will have a shot in this game against Virginia Tech. I'm not saying that they won't be in this game, but I think the home factor of Virginia Tech being in Blacksburg and that atmosphere will be too much for Syracuse to overcome this weekend. So I'm taking VT over Syracuse. In the Big Ten, I'm taking Michigan over over Northwestern. Chicago's Big Ten team, Northwestern. Michigan has won 11 of the last 12 matchups with Northwestern, including the last six in this series. So I think Michigan gets a big win against Northwestern. And shout out to Pat Fitzgerald and his... Wildcats they got the victory over Rutgers I think they were they were underdogs in that matchup coming into that game Rutgers was favored so that was a good 21 to 7 victory that the Cats had over Rutgers but I think this weekend Michigan gets the victory over Northwestern in the Big 12 I'm taking TCU over West Virginia West Virginia is on a bit of a slide right now as the Mountaineers have lost the last three contests on their schedule I think TCU wins this game against West Virginia at home then in the Pac-12, I'm taking Notre Dame over USC. Notre Dame is going to win this game. And initially, when I started the season and I made my preseason predictions, I initially thought Notre Dame would have a tough time with USC. Notre Dame has a slate of like five games that look really tough on paper. But the Irish are 2-1 and one right now. And I just I didn't think that they would be 2-1 and one at this point for those games. Uh, USC, if you look at the same stretch, they are one and two, and they are trending in the wrong direction. But I think they will beat USC this weekend, so I'm, I'm taking Notre Dame over USC. Then in the SEC, I'm taking Alabama over Tennessee. If you can believe it or not, Nick Saban has won all 14 straight meetings over Tennessee by an average of 25.7 points per game, so it hasn't even been close. Those are my locks for Week 8 action. I'll recap them one more time for you. In the ACC, I'm taking Virginia Tech over Syracuse. In the Big Ten, I'm taking Michigan over Northwestern. Chicago's Big Ten team, Northwestern. In the Big 12, I'm taking TCU over West Virginia. In the Pac-12, I'm taking Notre Dame over USC. And in the SEC, I'm taking Alabama over Tennessee. Real quick, before we get out of here, I do want to talk about the incident that happened at Tennessee. And it's probably not funny. But the Tennessee versus Ole Miss game, and this is coming straight from ESPN, and I quote, Lane Kiffin was ready for just about anything Saturday night in his first return to Nayland Stadium as a head coach. But dodging an endless sea of bottles, both plastic and glass, along with an assortment of other projectiles, including a golf ball, in what was an ugly ending to Ole Miss's 31-26 victory over Tennessee, that just wasn't on his play sheet. There's a quote here from Lane Kiffin, and I and it goes, and I quote, It's an emotional game and fans are emotional, but you never expect something like that. To see all that stuff come flying out of the stands, I got hit with a golf ball, but at least whoever threw it wasn't smart enough to throw a dirty range ball. Yikes. With 54 seconds remaining, the game was delayed for around 20 minutes after officials on the field ruled that Tennessee tight end Jacob Warren was stopped just short of the first down marker on a 4th and 24 play in a questionable spot. The call on the field was upheld by replay officials and irate fans in both the lower and upper decks began showering the sideline as part of the field with debris and bottles, most of them filled with water and other substances. Good God. Several of Ole Miss's cheerleaders were hit. Security personnel eventually evacuated the Ole Miss sidelines 
and pushed the coaches and players to the middle of the field while the game officials huddled at midfield until there was some sort of semblance of order that was restored. Tennessee fans had already been roundly booing all game when Ole Miss defensive players would go down with injuries after the Vols would start moving the ball on offense. Kiffin was the head coach at Tennessee in 2009 before taking the head head coaching job at USC. And if you remember, Lane Kiffin pretty much ran out of there at like midnight. Just he, he fleed Knoxville with his family, got on a jet and was in USC like the next morning. That was a very ugly exit. Tennessee thought he would be up next and he just embarrassed that program towards the end there. Anyways, Lane Kiffin joked that he was going to keep the yellow range ball as a souvenir and said he was nearly pegged with several other items. There were, and this is another quote from Lane Kiffin, and I quote, there were a number of bottles with some brown stuff in them. I'm not sure what it was. It probably wasn't moonshine. They probably wouldn't waste moonshine on me, end quote. So that is crazy. I mean, I, I didn't even watch that game. I And I, I'm, I, I'm honestly surprised it was as close as it was, but emotions are high fans hate this guy i'm sure you know people around that program don't like lane kiffin so the fact that it was as close as it was you know that's shout out to tennessee for for trying to be competitive in that game that would have been crazy had they upset lane kiffin and beat him in knoxville on his first return ever back to that stadium but it wasn't meant to be administrators from both the sec and the university of tennessee issued strongly worded statements condemning the bottle throwing scene at the end of the game and so uh the chancellor uh dondi plowman tennessee's chancellor she tweeted that she was astonished and sickened by the behavior of some balls fans at the end of the game this is a pretty ugly look this is a pretty ugly mark for the tennessee program and the sec this past weekend emotions ran high of course but that that's crazy that fans pelted the field with bottles and I don't know what Lane Kiffin was saying there. I don't know if people were shitting in bottles and throwing them on the field or whatever the case may be, but uh, that's uh, pretty ugly. Uh, Yikes. Then the last thing I want to talk about real quick, there was an article out of ESPN uh, this week and it says NCAA task force recommends removing minimum standardized test scores in effort to advance racial equity. The story goes and I quote, an NCAA task force recommended on Friday that incoming freshmen in Division I and II sports should no longer be required to meet minimum scores on standardized tests for initial eligibility. The recommendation was made by the NCAA Standardized Test Score Task Force, which was formed as part of the NCAA's eight-point plan to advance racial equity. The Division I Committee on Academics and Division II Academic Requirements Committee will consider the recommendation at their next scheduled meetings in February. Changes to initial eligibility requirements would also have to be reviewed and made through each division's legislative process. So that could be a big change to no longer require a minimum score on like the ACT or the SAT to allow players and prospective athletes the opportunity to actually enroll in the school and and go to a program. So I'd be curious to see if they remove that. That's a that's a big deal, and I'm sure as we get closer to February, we'll probably hear more news about that, certainly. But I thought that was a, a pretty big story just to read out to you all. I think it could have a, a pretty big impact across the board here. But yeah, there we have it, my friends. That was my Week 7 recap, Week 8 preview. 
I'm excited for week eight. I cannot wait to watch the action unfold. NC State, man, I love y'all. And I just hope y'all can keep going, keep pushing. But, um, yeah, it's pretty big news. Iowa takes a pretty big stumble against Purdue. Pretty ugly loss after an impressive victory a few weeks ago against Penn State. This college football season is crazy, man. I mean, I don't know how it's going to finish. And each week, it, there seems to be another major upset somewhere. So, I'd be curious to see what happens this upcoming weekend. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. I'm actually going to be out in Austin, Texas this weekend for the Awesome Film Festival. I'm recording another podcast that you can find on my Everything Else podcast series where I preview and kind of talk about the Awesome Film Festival and give you kind of like a recap of what I do at the Awesome Film Festival. If you're interested, you know, go check out my Everything Else podcast. But with that said, since I will be gone next weekend, I will not have a podcast release next week. But I hope to have an opportunity to speak to you all in a couple weeks from here. So hope you enjoyed college football. Uh, It's been a crazy season thus far. It's been fun. And I cannot wait to see it all shake out here, you know, towards the end of the season. We're getting there. I mean, we're, we're almost there, my friends. Thank you all for downloading this podcast episode. I hope you have a good one. Stay safe, stay sane, and I will talk to you all very soon. Be well, y'all. Peace. NC State's got to turn it on this season because I would I would love nothing more than to go to the ACC championship game to see my beloved NC State Wolfpack beat whoever the hell comes out of the Coastal this year because it's a goddamn mess over there. <laughs> Thank you again for tuning into my Cherry Picking Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to subscribe to my show and drop me a rating on Apple Podcasts. All of my digital content can be found at the website cherrypickingsports.com. And if you are looking to interact with me via social media, my Twitter handle is at cherry underscore pickin. That's P-I-C-K-I-N. On my Twitter, you'll also find a link to my blog where I post my weekly college football predictions and analysis. I can also be reached via email at cherrypickinsports at gmail.com. Please feel free to reach out to me regarding what you like about this podcast or about what content you'd like to hear more of on future episodes. I sincerely thank you for your support, and I can't wait to talk to you again soon. Take care.